Hey ladies, how you doing out there, you gangsters and you senior citizens of the world? I just want to let you know that I'm here. I'm starting my new podcast with Anchor. It's free, so I thought, why not give it a try? There's creation tools there that allow you to edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute my podcast, so it will be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can also make money from your own podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, at home. During the coronavirus epidemic, this is where we're going to be. So, it's a mandatory call to action that we... Take anchor. You see, Jermaine Dupree, Tina knows, Matthew knows, Kanye West, Usher, just about everybody in the music industry. Now, the stuff he got to say may or may not be true, but the things they said about him may be or may not be true. They ain't have enough evidence to put him in jail for the rest of his life, but he ain't gonna be in jail for the rest of his life because he got dirt on everybody. Somebody gonna pay to get that man out of jail. Bill Cosby got his back. It's a whole bunch of people rallying behind R. Kelly, and they don't look like he gonna be in there long. Look at this, y'all. R. Kelly plans to snitch on multiple celebrity pedos, a rapper, and a huge singer. Now, R. Kelly done did two full albums with Jay-Z, been on tour with this man, been in the studio with this man. He did a lot of songs with a lot of rappers, but he ain't never spent as much time with any of them other dudes than he did with Jigga Man. Plus, they both was dating Aaliyah. How do you think Jay-Z even met Aaliyah? Me, personally, I don't feel like Jay-Z had nothing to do with that foolishness, but he is some leverage in this R. Kelly case, and he got enough money to pay the bill to get that man up out of jail. The insider who has known R. Kelly for decades explained, R. Kelly and his team are working with the feds to reduce his prison time. He'll provide evidence against other celebrity pedos, and they'll reduce his sentence time. This ain't nothing but divide and conquer. Allegations against allegations. I know Jermaine Dupree somewhere hiding under his bed right now. If things go the way all Kelly want them to go, half of black Hollywood gonna be sitting up in jail. And it's a bunch of freaky females out there too. Queen Latifah, you better watch out. Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith gonna be in the chain game. When R. Kelly come home, he ain't gonna have nobody to spend time with. Michael Jordan gonna be behind balls. He ain't gonna have nobody to play basketball with. He gonna have to get one of the machines from Chuck E. Cheese just to shoot some hoops. And to be real with y'all, if R. Kelly really wanted to be nasty, he could make up a whole lot of stories on some people. Cause that's the same thing they did with him. Had girls sitting up there on the news laughing while they telling stories on R. Kelly. <laughs> with a shoe, a size 12 foot um, Air Force One, and he beat me all over, which felt like hours, and I was welcomed all the way from my neck down. These girls sitting up there laughing and lying, laughing and lying, and the jury found him guilty on all counts when these girls couldn't even keep a straight face when they was making up these stories on that man. And the same girls that talking about he did all this bad stuff when he had money, they was the main ones defending all Kelly. Two women who live with R. Kelly are defending him and their relationship with him in the strongest terms. 21-year-old Azriel Clary and 23-year-old Joycelyn Savage told us they love Kelly 
while their family's playing, he has brainwashed them. You know, how do we say this without being inappropriate? Is this a three-way relationship, or do you each have a separate relationship with them? How does this work? Well, both of curious. Yeah, both we both have our individual relationships with him, and right. we all are family all together. We have our moments where we sit and watch movies all together. We go to amusement parks all together. I'm not talking about Azrael going to movies and sitting watching, uh, going to parks. I'm talking about is it a, is it a three-way sexual relationship? Sexually, well, first of all, I'm not here to talk about my personal life, okay. and I would never share with no one what I do in or outside of the bedroom. And as a woman, I'm sure you would not either. Yes. No, I wouldn't, but I... But, okay, then. But, so, no, yeah, no, next right. question. This girl don't snap on Gail King like a turtle. Paul Kelly got so much leverage to get out of jail, he might be home by next week, y'all. And plus, these same girls that was messing with R. Kelly was dealing with other celebrities. Every time they come by to the studio to work with R. Kelly, here go Azriel. Here go the other one. Allegedly, he was passing these girls along, too. Not to mention they had cameras all up in the studio. If R. Kelly quick to record himself, y'all know he was recording other people. They might not have knew he was recording other people, but he was recording them. And the reason why he was recording everything, because he knew these girls' parents was using stuff to blackmail him. So he had to have some blackmail to blackmail to blackmail, y'all. That is a lie. I was not having sex with him at 17. Why would they want to lie about you, their daughter? Okay, so <laughs> when I first met Robert, my parents told me to lie about my age. So when I met him, he thought that I was 18. On top of that, when I was 17, my parents were actually making me, trying to get me to take photos with him, take sexual videos with him, all kinds of stuff. Wait, wait, wait. Your parents encouraged you to do sexual videos yes. with R. Kelly? Yes. And they said, because if they ever have to blackmail him, what they're trying to do now, they can use it against him, which is exactly what they're doing. There's been so many years that, you know, I've gone without even bringing them up or thinking about them that I've really just lost touch with them. And that's definitely the most heartbreaking thing, like not being able to see your brother or your dad for three, four years and still not wanting to talk to them. It's tough, but I'm getting there and I'm appreciative of that. So. As you can see, Everybody that was in this man corner done flipped on him. Now it's only right that he flip on everybody else. And honestly, what R. Kelly got to lie about? He know who did what, when, where, and why. He facing life in prison. He ain't got nothing to lose, y'all. And the reason why I showed y'all them clips of his ex-girlfriends, because them was his bottom females. Them was the only people he had in this corner after all them relationships he had in the music industry. Wasn't nobody standing by his side, and the people that was standing by his side done switched up on him. He about to tell on everybody, y'all. And even Bill Cosby came out and said that he got R. Kelly back. And y'all already know Bill Cosby got a whole bunch of money. Bill Cosby feel like R. Kelly got railroaded at sex trafficking trial. Now this man know a thing or two about getting done dirty in court. Bill Cosby feels R. Kelly got railroaded at his sex trafficking trial that ended on Monday with convictions on all nine counts against him according to the newly free comedian's rep. Cosby believes the pervert singer was screwed and that he was going to catch a break during a month-long trial according to his spokesperson. He said the deck was stacked against Rob. His constitutional rights were grossly abused 
I don't know anywhere but in this country, in the United States, that a documentary can bring criminal charges against somebody. Now, I'm going to let y'all know this right now. Bill Cosby going to be the one to get R. Kelly out of jail. Because either Lawrence Fishburne going to play R. Kelly in the movie, or Bill Cosby going to play R. Kelly in the movie. Either way it go, when R. Kelly come home, he going to make his own documentary exposing Azrael, Clary, all the other victims. He going to be exposing them in the movie. He going to be exposing Jay-Z, all the other rappers and singers in his movie. And he got every right to do that there, because that's what they did with him. Now, I would really hate to see all these black people going back and forth with each other. They gonna have a Jay-Z trial, Jermaine Dupree trial. Usher already been in court. They about to drag him back up in there. Missy Elliott, they said she a freak. I could go on and on and on and on for years about all the black celebrities that can get caught up in some dirt. And really, as a black person, you guilty when you step up in the courtroom anyway. They just trying to figure out how much time they gonna give you. You already convicted for the most part. Johnny Cochran gone. Ain't no lawyers out there to get no black people off. Y'all gonna have to let me know how y'all feel about this in the comment section, man. Do all Sexual assault and domestic violence are not a joke. If you know someone that is going through these traumatic situations and they may need help, call 911 for your nearest suicide hotline number or phone a friend, but talk to somebody, anybody, and get out of the situation as soon as possible. We would not like to end up like Gabby Petita or some of these other women out here that are still missing due to not being able to get out of a terrible relationship. Violence serves no one.
Robert, her, the dancers in the studio on the tour bus, and just making sure they had everything that they needed to be healthy uh, during that time. So I've worked with him in his home. I've been in the studio. I've been on the tour bus. I've been all throughout uh, every aspect of his life. So I've seen how he moves. I've seen how he lives. So that's why I got involved in this because I know the things that I was hearing were not who he is, you know? For instance, I knew the reason he had females wear baggy clothes is because Robert always has meetings in his home. He always conducts uh, meetings with 15, 20 people from the time he wakes up to the time he goes to sleep. There was always traffic in his home, always meetings. And he would have people in different sections of the house meeting with this group of people in the living room, this group of people in the bar area, this group of people near the kitchen, this group of people, you know, he would spread them out throughout the house because they would have various meetings. And he did not want the men looking at the females uh, in in tight, skimpy outfits. So he did have them wear baggy clothes. There was a rule that you had to knock before entering a room because he's having sensitive meetings. He doesn't want you overhearing contract negotiations for an album or who he's going to be working with next. Um, He would tell Drea to take the baby upstairs and go in the room when people came by. Because at that time, no one knew that he was married and no one was supposed to know. And her room was equivalent to a suite at the Four Seasons Hotel. It had a bathroom in it. It had a small refrigerator that I made sure was fully stocked with food. And there were times when he would have meetings and he would ask me to leave because uh, I remember one time specifically, he said, you know, when you finish up, leave because I got somebody real big coming by the house. And I certainly wanted to ask him who, but I didn't dare because it was unprofessional. So I know that these rules exist, but there's a logical explanation for why. Okay. I doubt it. Bitch. So let's start with um, Drea because Drea had a very uh, interesting account of her well, relationship uh, with R. Kelly, and she did uh, make some, you know, some rather, um, uh, I guess, uh, graphic statements online about the things that he made her do. You know, walk on all fours. She had to ask when to eat, but being that you are the nutritionist and you were responsible for. Um, uh, their food daily. Uh, did you ever, did Rob have to ever give you permission to make food for Drea? Rob was never around like that. Uh, Drea ate whenever she wanted. She was always there with other dancers. And when I tell you Robert was not around 95% of the time, that's why these stories don't add up. Stop and think about it. When did he have time to write music, tour, design videos and do all the things that he did if he was monitoring food intake and bathroom breaks. It just doesn't make sense and it doesn't add up. Uh, The refrigerator was always fully stocked. I made sure the refrigerator in her room was stocked. I never saw any deprivation whatsoever in terms of food. So what did you think about her remarks when she came out and she was a part of uh, Surviving R. Kelly as well as doing various interviews to talk about the abuse that she had suffered at the hands of R. Kelly? I mean, I thought it was pretty interesting because two years prior she was tweeting, even after they were divorced, that's my baby daddy and all this stuff, and she was praising him. And then 
it just like this the switch flipped so what do you what did you think about her well, well, remarks yeah that's what made me come forward when when i didn't see surviving r kelly i started getting phone calls from people who knew that I worked for Robert and they were asking me is this true is this true and none of it did I see so I began listening to her interviews trying to figure out what the heck was going on and the first question I asked myself was what laws did Robert break what brought this on and the only person that I knew was Drea I knew Rashana but she wasn't in it and I have met Sparkle before, but in terms of visibility for the show, I knew the show was being driven by uh, the wife. And so I paid very close attention to her. And what I found was there was a lot she wasn't saying. There was a lot that she left out. She didn't say that she always slept in her room with other dancers. She did not say that her and Robert slept in separate bedrooms. She did not say that she was complicit with all the things that he was doing. She had a fiance when she met him and uh, she was having sex with him and other dancers on the tour bus. Like women? Like women or men? uh, Women to my knowledge. Okay. Uh, I don't know of any men. So, uh, and from what I understand, the first sex tape that was found, uh, Carrie got it. It was laying around some house that Rob rented. And it was Dream on the sex tape uh, with Rob. Now, of course, she's an adult, but the things that she was doing sexually, she did to get him and to keep him. So I couldn't understand if you're going to tell the story, tell the whole story. And she made it seem as if um, she was this victim, but Robert never had her name on anything. I always felt like it was an arranged marriage because one day I came in and she was looking through the photo album and uh, she showed me the pictures of the day that they got married. Both of them were in casual clothes. Rob was in a Nautilus wetsuit. She was in casual clothes. I think she told me it, they got married in um, Denver, Colorado, I believe, February of 96. And it looked as if they just pulled the tour bus over to the side of the road, hopped out, went into City Hall, exchanged vows, and then got back on the tour bus. It did not seem like it was anything uh, magical or, you know, they were in love or anything like that. And so I knew, just based on how they were existing, that the relationship was doomed. Mm. Now, when Rob slept in separate rooms, who was sleeping with him? He was always by himself, to my knowledge. Okay, okay. Interesting. Um, now, when I interviewed uh, Carrie Kelly, um, the brother of R. Kelly, um, he spoke of this tape that you're you're referencing. However, he did say that what he witnessed on the tape was two white girls that Rob had met in the mall um, that were between the ages of 13 and 15. Did wow. you actually see the tape, or was it something that you just kind of, I guess, heard or just kind of... No, Demetrius Smith told me about it, um, and he specifically said uh, it was Drea on the tape. And you can't identify somebody's age from a tape, so Carrie, I think, was being salacious and just trying to get press and, and trying to make money off of damaging his brother. Okay. I know he has since changed his tune. Uh, we met up in Chicago um, in February of this year, and um, he now wants to rally for his brother. He wants to help get his brother out of jail. 
and so um, I have yet to bring him back on the show for him to explain what made him um, so drastically change his mind. Um, he did look. Well, he and I had. I can tell you why. Why? Uh, when Bruce got out. Uh, Bruce was going out to his house and they were spending a lot of time together. And we're talking and about Bruce, Bruce Kelly, and I, the third brother, right? The oldest brother, correct. Okay, okay. Uh, Bruce and I began talking immediately when he got out and he would tell me about the conversations that he and Carrie were having and neither one of them really wanted to get involved just yet. But I had strong conversations with both of them and Carrie and I specifically talked for hours and what I said to Carrie was what Carrie was doing was harboring a lot of ill feelings about what Rob didn't do for him and what he felt Rob didn't do for the mother and I simply asked him uh, what did you ever do for Robert and if he didn't do those things for your mother why didn't you do them how do you get to dictate to him how he spends his money and specifically it was about the grave and him feeling that Robert didn't get a headstone. And uh, and I said, in all these years, you've made enough money that you could have gotten a headstone. But we, we talked about many issues, hours and hours and hours of conversation. And I think because I kept putting the responsibility back on him, uh, he felt like Robert prevented him from having success. And I let him know that nobody can stop you from doing anything if you're really talented. Um, and, and I also said that he did damage to his own reputation. When you come out and you speak against your family, specifically your brother, who's a huge artist, the world sees you as a snitch. And no one in the industry is going to deal with you because everybody has stuff in their closet. Everybody has secrets that they don't want out. And if you will snitch on your brother, you'll snitch on everybody. So the minute people see you as a, a snitch, they're not going to deal with you. And once I said that to him, he, he really got it. He understood that. Mm, okay. Thanks for... Uh, now, uh, real quick, Ms. Sharon, there's a strong echo on your end. Like, when I talk, it feels like my voice is going back and coming back. So it's kind of interfering with my uh, conversation with you. Is there, like, another microphone on that you have? I don't hear it on my end. Yeah, I hear it. So what happens is when someone has on an extra microphone, like I was live the other night, um, and someone had on, like, they had their phone, and then they had a microphone beside it, and both the phone and the microphone was recording. So so that was Tasha K. Now, she was talking to a Miss English, uh, someone who used to cook food for R. Kelly. I would like to say this now. Women, all you have to do is call 911 and order a fucking pizza. That's it. And you will be rescued. I understand what you were going through. I've been through many situations. I've been raped, robbed, kidnapped, lied to, in a relationship that thought there was no way out of or didn't want to get out of a horrible relationship I've been stuck so what I'm saying is there's always a way out and I understand the Me Too movement where 
R. Kelly was raped when he was a little boy. That's horrible. And I absolutely 1000% believe that had a lot to do with his mentality. As far as sex and women, young girls. But unfortunately, he doesn't give you the right to go out and destroy other people's lives. He could have done anything you want in the whole world, and all you want to do is fuck on little girls and little boys. Hmm. I'm just saying. Call 911 and order a fucking pizza, and they will come and rescue you. And this will be continued. Thanks again for listening to Boss Ladies Magazine Show. You can hit me up on. Instagram, TikTok, or Facebook. And um, I appreciate it if you subscribe. Have a nice day. Talk to you soon. Welcome back to Boss Ladies Magazine, the show. I'm your host, Cadillac Didi. And this one's for the lowriders. Old school Sunday driver on HBO and Rockstar Videos. Featuring Cadillac Didi and OG of OG. Let's ride. that the police have about us or the community has about us. There are people that aren't interested 
in low riding. There are people that aren't interested in hanging out that are being caught in their behavior. Oh, it's a lifestyle. Just the enjoyment of cruising. When you have enough people with you and they all look good, you shine together. And I ain't never wrong with shine. To me, a lowrider is a car of romance. Because when you're in your lowrider, your, your car is just dipping and you got on your low music and it's just cool. That's when blacks really start really having a car looking show material like, you know what I'm saying? Craig Parker, when he was really riding, it, Lexus had clean cars. And he was one of the guys that had cars cleaner than Lexus. He had a show material car on the street. So he was up there with them, and that gave people incentive to make their cars better and gave other blacks and other clubs, especially in L.A., the incentive to ride, you know what I'm saying, to have nice cars. They see a black person can do their car like a Mexican's car, that means any other person can do their car like this. Like back in the days, you know, like now the low riders you got now, their cars are oh, that's like, Craig Parker. Days, I have my car, it lay. Preceding Craig was twin, and then OG Gangsters in Santana Block. Back bumper would be on the ground. I'd put quarters underneath it. Wouldn't nobody get none of it. Wouldn't, wouldn't get nothing out from underneath it. Oh, me? I'm Cadillac D. I mean, this car laid hard. And uh, that was my MO from, from land, you know, you can land. See this show. I used to sit there and just lay it all the way down. I'll smoke the tires and I'll step out and don't even put it in park and just be cloud of smoke all inside the car. And the whole parking lot, I smoked the whole parking lot and that's how hard it would lay. And that's laying. seeing the car going around the side, they see it dipping, and it looks good. See, it don't nothing look good to me except when it's laying flat on the ground, because I'm from, you know, the old school, you know, and I'm low. At that time, when I was coming up, it was how, how, how low can you go? Now it's how high can you go?
started doing hydraulics in 71, and I was doing it at home, and really from there on I've been doing it, but I've had the shop for three years now. We basically do everything here, but it's on the customer, they bring enough money, we do everything. They don't, we only do what they pay for. Framework started about in uh, 85, and the reason why is because a lot of the guys, when they start advancing their hydraulics with more power, the frames start tweaking and going in. And normally with your first car, you start off small, but the thing is now everybody want all the power, and they don't even be concerned about knowing how to hit the switch. They was like, I'll, I'll learn, I'll learn. And they tear them up over and over. But they keep coming back because they want to learn. But once they learn, it gets better. This is a called frame reinforcer right here. It's where we put the metal in the center part. This is normally what goes out in the frame. And the frame goes in like this. All this stuff right here collapses and cracks up. So what we do, we put metal inside of it and around it and the reason why we do the whole frame is because when you strengthen it up in one area it makes the rest of it weak around the outside of it if you want to save your car this is really what you need to do to it Yesterday, 
So that way, you know, you can't really hear a lot of the cars cure. For a real good paint job, somebody that really loves their car, it's best to, like, let the car cure for. If it was my car, I would let it cure for a year. But I wouldn't recommend it. Any, any time for 30, 60 days is good. But that way, if it's cure is real good, everything from the bottom just comes up, and you just you got a nice hard paint. You sand it, and it's just going to look beautiful. But I got a guy that comes in, his name is Doc, who comes in and do most of the design stuff like that. I can do them, but that's his thing. A, a, a plain lowrider just doesn't say anything. You know, see, in a way, everybody needs a doctor. Yeah. And uh, I'm just trying to put a magic touch to the car, you know, bring out the flavor in it. <laughs> Put in the pinstripe in there. You know, you can paint a car, uh, ride down the street with it painted. People look at it and say, oh, that's, that's nice. You know, but when they see designs, like, yeah, that's sweet. Huh. See, if I was doing it from the other side, I could pull it. Ah, uh, we'll start with it. Let's see what happens. But we're not right unless it has a little touch of something. the car look lower and the designs uh, go with low see and if I did a car that was up high it would it would the, the designs would say get up but these say get down it's all about the way that you pull the tape you know, the creativity something I've had in me all my life to bring the ooey into a paint job because it's just a paint job it's just ooh but when you see it with my designs it's ooh wee <laughs> yeah best thing about low ride to me man is just getting the project just getting the car you know what I'm saying it don't look like nothing you know what I'm saying? It's just having a vision.
Majestic plaque, when you put it in your car, it's like a reward. It's something that you deserve and you got because your car looks good. G gives it to you so you can roll. Now, this is for you. So I feel when he roll that, that's the best thing in the world. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, we got a lot of pride to go with that plaque. You just can't put that plaque in any car looking any kind of way. When you put that majestic plaque in the back of your window, you know, you can bet your last dollar. Your car's going to be tight, running good, look good, smell good. You know, everything is going to be good about it. When you put in a lowrider, people look at you different than riding your own car, regular car. They look at you like, you know, you might be a model to somebody else. And especially if you got a plaque, that was a lot. 
lot of people, they might see you in a lowrider and it's easier for them to say, oh, we're going to have a problem or something. And then when they see a plague, they show respect because that plague. Oh, my God. Oh, she passed away. She was the vice president. Really, I think the best thing is to have a plaque in your car to show that you belong to some type of club. You know, different than a gang club. I got my original plaques. They're just like, you know, the rich people, they got their fake jewelry they wear out somewhere, and they got their good jewelry sitting in the safe still. That's how my plaque is. I treasure that plaque. I've been having that plaque for many years. My brother used to take me to the skate depot all the time. I was about 16, but when we used to leave the skate ring, you, it probably would be maybe 10 cars out there. You just see that big old Majestic in the back. Majestic Compton. To me, it stood for something. Majestic Compton. That's my whole dream of when I was little. Now I'm 32 living out my dream as being a Majestic. But I did because I'm a Majestic. I only have good things to say. I mean, uh, all the people that I know in the club, they're good people. I'm usually from Friday to Sunday night rolling, what we call rolling. And that is uh, we get in our cars and uh, we're off to a picnic or a barbecue or to help someone out or to participate in a function, get together with other lowriders and do things together, not only with our club, but with other people that are doing the lowriding thing. Since I've been in Majestic, it seemed like I met more friends than I normally ever had. So it's like, you know, they're all cool. It's, it's yeah. like family. That's how I look at it. It's a big family. I feel that there's a number of reasons why I was invited to join the Majestic. One was because ever since I first met Gangster, you know, it's like we got along, like brother and sister type. Oh, and another reason could be because they know that I don't like men. I'm not after the guys. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to get up under them and use my feminine wild. If anything, I'd probably be out trying to get a girl, you know, like them. You know what I'm saying? You know, back in the day, when we first started low riding, it was only basically five, really, you know what I'm saying, car clubs as far as, you know, blacks was concerned. Because we the oldest black club that I know of in California. My homeboy Turtle turned me on the low ride. Back then he had, I think it was a $69 Mars, you know, juiced it in the front on uh, 20s and Prakers. You know what I'm saying? And shit, I, I, I love it. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's skating ring, partner. You know, I wanted to be hanging with the big guys. The reason why I got into Majestic is because what we were trying to do was bring all of the community okay. together, you know, because it's like if we start a car club and we go to different areas or neighborhoods where different gang members are from, we can bring them all together and then we can come together like that. You know, try to bring some of the peace or, and get away from the streets, just go low ride, having fun with the families and, you know, just being, doing things like that. Like when I started riding in the Majestics, you know what I'm saying? We were still gangbangers, you know what I'm saying? Every Everybody in the club, basically, you know, was from some sort of gang, but, you know, we had a few squares that wasn't gangbanger, but 
I say 95 percent of us, you know, was from a gang, you know. What gang? I'm from uh, Santana Block County Crips. First uh, club I was in wasn't really the M. Santana Block, it don't stop. You better watch out. There's an M1 carbine, 32 rounds. I can go tab Lewis Park with this. I can kill about 32 people if I hit them all. Everything that's hooked up to gang activity, I think we did. And we've been in jail, out of jail, and I think that's it about gang activity, unless you want me to explain you about gang activity. If you want. Nah. <laughs> we might criminate ourselves. <laughs> I was over there on Willow Street, me and the homeboys, Turtle, and Rabbit, all of us was kicking over there by, on Willow Street over there by Fat Daddy House. And, let me see. We was fixing on the ride. And about 20 guys outside. Yeah, about 20 of us outside. Roos came from behind the house. Shooting. And it's two twins. And they got That's a me and my brother. You know, twins at the same time, you know what I'm saying? They got me in the back and my brother in the nose. <laughs> I rolled over on them, caught them over there by the tracks. I shot at them. And after I was rolling back towards the uh, rolling back towards the hood, police swooped on me. And they and somebody up in the up in the up in the up in the uh, working on the telephone pole, seeing them while I threw the gun and they snagged me with the gun, took me to jail, caught the trail, got to block. And like our neighborhood, Santana Block, we was like family, you know what I'm saying? We all kicked it like family. We did what we wanted to do. We ate at the same time. We stayed out, slept in cars, still at the same time. You know what I'm saying? You got so many stories of selling cars, you know. You could have your car blocked in by two or three cars, and your car, your lowrider could be right by your bedroom window, laid on the ground, and then your window could be open. You know what I'm saying? And we still, <laughs> we were still in the vehicle, you know, and uh, we was getting in the car and the guy started shooting at us. And we just said, he's shooting at us and just started laughing. We were just looking at him shoot at us. You know, we started running and we came back. We even went back and messed with the car again so he can shoot some more. So we didn't know he still, we took. He had took, you know, yeah, we really took. He took a lot. Somebody gave that nigga. Yeah, I knew you. Somebody gave him a kid. You know, we sold a little dope, a little PCP. You know what I'm saying? But you know, I went to jail in like uh, in '82. I went to YA, right? And I got out like beginning of '84. You know what I'm saying? And you know, when I got out in '84. You know, Turtle and Twin, they was in the penitentiary already. You know, when I got out and I like, you know, the homeboy Mondo and them, they, you know, came and picked me up with my mom them, you know what I'm saying? And we went around the corner and he had a little spot, little, you know, little, you could call it a dope house or whatever, you know. So we go in the house, right? And he like, you know, what's up, homie? You want some freaks? You know, so, you know, I look at him like, nigga, what you talking about? You know what I'm saying? How you got freaks that you can just... Hitting, you know, be like here, you know what I'm saying? I went to jail, you wasn't, you barely was fucking. And he like tell him, you know what I'm saying? Do it, whatever he won't give it to him, right? I look at him, right? I'm like, what the fuck is this? You know what I'm saying? And he just left off, right? So I'm like, fuck it, I get naked, you know what I'm saying? I fuck it, you know. Both of the women get naked, you know what I'm saying? And um, uh, you know, we do our thing, whatever. And then he come back, 
and I see him, he give them something, right? And they leave. Some little bullshit. I'm like, what the fuck is that, man? You know what I'm saying? He like, you know what I'm saying? That's some, you know, that's some rocks. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, what you mean, bro? It's like cocaine. I'm like, man, you gave them bitches that little bitty ass shit and they did all that? I'm like, God damn. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I got to get some of that then. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I got to get some of that. So, you know, he told me that, uh, you know, that's what he is doing, selling cocaine and shit, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, shit, he had his jewelry on. He was, you know, fresh, money. I'm like, you know, motherfucker ain't stealing no more none of that shit, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, fuck it, you know what I'm saying? I got to do my thing too. So, you know, one of my homeboys, you know what I'm saying? You know, I ain't going to mention his name, but, you know, he gave me, like... <clears throat> three ounces of cocaine. You know, when I got out, he just gave it to me like, here, you know, do your thing. And you know, back then, you know what I'm saying? An ounce of cocaine was going for like, like $1,800 ounce. You know what I'm saying? And you could double it. You know what I'm saying? Selling rocks, you could make like shit, 3,600 off ounce. So shit, 36 times three. I'm like, shit, I'm in the game, right? So I got all that shit and I sold that shit. You know, I went and bought more and more, you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, me and Mondo just started going half, just buying shit, you know. Oh, you know what shit, we was like, shit, Porsches, Benzes, Cadillacs, you know what I'm saying? We just, you know, the man balling out of control. We known gang members, but we don't, we ain't into that no more, you know what I'm saying? Know, you know, we it's like this, that's the we always, remember, we always gonna be from our neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? But we not active members. And a lot of people look at lowriders as just a wild bunch of dope dealers, no gang bangers, or just street people. And we want to give them an image that we're more than that. I mean, that's where we came from, but we want to show better, show that we are not what people look us to be. When we have a new member join this car club, the first thing he used to understand is there's no gang banging involved. Very first thing. Whatever he does with his personal life has no reflection on the car club. That's his personal life. So, you know, it's like this. If you gang banging and out there doing something you ain't supposed to be doing, and you in the Majestics, that means, you know, you don't care about us. Cause, you know, because you putting us on the front line with you. You know, so basically, you know, we don't, we don't do no gang, not no, we don't gang bang in the club. I think nowadays, uh, a lot of the guys, older guys, are coming back. I, I, I think several guys in our club uh, basically are a little bit older and they're back and they're involved in it um, for their love of it, but for the fact that uh, low riding isn't associated with uh, bad things.
meet once a week, every Saturday at 3 o'clock, you know, up at Kevin's Hydraulic Shop. You know, everybody pay $10 a week for dues. And I feel that we are a legitimate car club. We've been around over 25 years. As far as I'm concerned, we just a car club that no different from a damn boating club. Shit, being a member of a, uh, at the golf course, golf club, we just a club too. The only difference is we just low riders. Tell Gavin, come on, so we can start the beat, man. Check this out, man. Let's go. Order, man. As a member of the protesters, I don't affiliate with outside people because I don't know where they're headed. I only affiliate with my club brothers, which is the Majestics. I have connection with my true brother, but these are my brothers too. And I spend more time with them than I do my real brother. It's hard to find a motherfucker that's just dedicated to, you know what I'm saying, being a Majestic or any car club. They got motherfuckers, I know motherfuckers that have been in five, six different car clubs. You know, me being in the car club is like being in the game. You can't change. You know what I'm saying? If I was to get out of the car club, I wouldn't be in no car club. It's just hard to find that, that true dedication. You know what I'm saying? I've been doing it so long, you know, it's just like second nature. You know, we really get tired of this when we go up, when we supposed to ride on Sundays, man. You know, we're supposed to leave at 3 o'clock. Everybody coming at 4 and 3.30 and 5 o'clock. I'm talking about I'll meet you up there. You know what I'm saying? That's why we're leaving at 3 o'clock. So it'll give you enough time to recuperate from Saturday or whatever. But we're going to stop meeting nowhere in March, too. We're going to start meeting right here at this spot and taking off. Because you know, motherfuckers getting too comfortable. I think every club has a different flavor to it. But I think we all have the same love for showing our cars and competing with other cars and, and showing the work and effort that we put into it and the money the way we represent ourselves to show what we're doing in our life in, in our lifestyle is is by your car but a car rating for your help to get your car together yeah, yeah i'm good i'm down yeah, with I'm it down with that everybody should be down with it i know where to get a front end at <laughs> Chevy just like this one. Hopefully when I get it done, it'll be just as clean as this one, you know? Saturday, man, I'm going to be in this, uh, this parade. Like, no, it's a party. Party. Yeah. 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 Yeah
Mexicans. I Somebody is crying. 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 Somebody Majestic Lowrider. See my Instagram and TikTok at Boss Ladies Magazine, the show. Thank you for joining me. Talk to you again soon. <laughs>